It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and The Athletic are at it again. They've got some more rankings <laughs> that we took a look at. This time it's positional rankings, so they're ranking every team in the NBA by where they stand based off their point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, and center. And in this episode, we are going to go through the point guard, shooting guard, and small forward slots. Spoiler alert, the Knicks once again, have been disrespected, especially R.J. Barrett. We'll get into it next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up, Now fires it. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. We want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform. Or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube, we appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. Make sure you hit that notification bell on YouTube or the auto-download function on your favorite podcast app if you want to become an everyday or never miss an episode. And if you want even more connection with us, you can do it right from your phone by texting. You can check us out on subtext, so be sure to click the link in the description to get signed up for that, and then you can you can talk with us all the time if you want to. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor in chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at Strick.land. And he is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster, favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And Law Murray of the Athletic is probably not your favorite player ranker's favorite player ranker after this uh, this ranking that he put out, Gavin. Uh, so the Athletic put out the other. The other week they put out the overall rankings, which we of course uh, talked about because it's the off season, even if they didn't necessarily deserve it. So today we're going to do the same thing, but with these positional rankings uh, by Mr. Law Murray. 
And uh, so here's here's the quick cliff notes, Gavin. Then I'll throw it to you to introduce the point guard position. So cliff notes of the criteria. Uh, allegedly, 70% of this is based on the starter, but takes depth into account. Uh, availability is considered an ability in these rankings. Uh, the ranking allegedly is based off of defense and other aspects of the game, like rebounding as well. Uh, the law tried to weigh age and potential decline, but it seems to favor players in their prime and not give as much credit to potential in most cases. And somehow morale is a category here. I don't know how one measures that, but you know, in this subjective ranking, uh, basically this person tried to take into account whether a person wants to be on the team that they're on or not. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, where did Jalen Brunson come into all this? Yeah, so let's. Uh, I'll, I'll put it up on the screen because I wrote. I, I I stopped at small forward because uh, it was it was just a lot of writing. But here are the athletics point guard rankings. They had um, the Warriors, the Nuggets, the Thunder, the Kings, the pa- uh, sorry, the Trailblazers, the Pacers, the Grizzlies, uh, Milwaukee, Atlanta, Denver, Philly, and then at twelve was uh, Jalen Brunson and New York. I and mean, we we should clarify we were it wasn't really specified in the article, but to the best of our ability, our our gauge was that. This ranking was meant for this season. So, Alex, I'm going to pull it up if you're watching on YouTube one more time. Then why is Portland at five when Damian Lillard (laughs) does not want to be in Portland? Can we just start there? Like the ridiculousness of that? Yeah, it was that was the one that stood out to me, too. I'm just like, you make all these qualifications about like, you know, age and availability and wanting to be on your team. And then Lillard ends up number five. Like I understand that he did statistically put up one of the best seasons of his career, sure. if not the best last year. Yeah. He's a t- he's a top five point guard in the NBA. That's not right. A but it's not a top five situation. It's like a bottom five situation, you know? And like, so I think if you were to average those things out, he should have easily come in below Brunson who ends up at number 12, but also just come in, I don't know, 13, something like that, 14, 15, you know, put it middle of the pack because I think that the the fact that he doesn't want to be on that team anymore means that, like, Portland's point guard situation it does not revolve around Damian Lillard at this point because he just it very publicly doesn't want to be there. Maybe if this thing came out, like, two weeks from now, this guy would feel a little more foolish putting him that high because I get the feeling that the Dame situation is about to get really messy. Because he's made it very clear he doesn't want to be there anymore. And there's always been sort of the standing agreement with him in Portland where, well, there was there was a standing agreement between him and the late Paul Allen of like, you know, the, the former owner of the Blazers of like, you know, if you want to get out of here at any point, we'll honor those wishes. And they still haven't honored those wishes. And it's been this long. Um, so I, I think things are about to get really messy there. And from that perspective, I think like that makes this especially ridiculous and it's going to look real ridiculous in like two three weeks time i think yeah and i i think the other part is that it's not just the starter right he he said his metric is 70 percent the starter 30 percent whatever the backup situation is mm. and that's perfect because jalen brunson for the knicks plays 74 percent of the minutes at point guards or or, or or essentially that and um emmanuel quickly usually plays about the other 26 minutes so again i'm going to pull up these rankings right now um, this was the athletics and I don't think it takes that into account. So here are my personal rankings, right? Uh, Dallas, um, and, and Luka Doncic rank. Okay. So I think for this one, I think I was doing this as if, um, it was for the future as well. So I'm going to rearrange this on the fly. I'm going to say golden state probably should be one with Steph Curry, right? Like I think still clearly the best point guard in basketball, then probably Luka and Dallas, then probably Shea and OKC. 
considering that Giddy gets some, even though he's not really listed there, like theoretically could be considered the backup primary ball handler for Oklahoma City. But then I don't see how you can't put the Knicks fourth, right? Like mm-hmm. look at the three teams I have behind them, Denver, Sacramento, Indiana, right? So that's Jamal Murray, um, De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton. If you want to make the argument to me that on an individual basis, any of those three guys are better than Jalen Brunson, I'll definitely hear you out. I, I think I think that is totally within the realm of reasonability. Even, even if you want to go Milwaukee and Drew Holiday, like I would, I probably disagree at this point, but I'd say like, yeah, that's plausible because he's an incredible defender. But when you take into account that the backup is pretty far and away the best backup point guard in the NBA and would be a pretty solid starting point guard in Emmanuel quickly, we saw what he did last year as a starter. I, to me, that is just such a definitive edge when it, it's a genuine toss up between who's the best guy out of that group in terms of the starter point starting point guards. Yeah. And again, it just comes down to like, I always love with these lists, just finding the double standards, you know, and like the, the reason that golden state was ranked that high in this ranking was because it was like, well, Steph Curry is still like, you know, probably the best player, you know, uh, the best point guard alive at the moment, you know, and then now they just added Chris Paul. So like the depth there is rock solid, you know, like Chris Paul is backing up, you know, Steph Curry at this point like that's amazing but then like Emmanuel quickly apparently doesn't matter backing up Jalen Brunson because he's who we we should say is a far better player than Chris Paul at this point I'm gonna right absolutely Emmanuel quick there's not a single team in the NBA that would take uh, that would take Chris Paul over Emmanuel quickly at this point like if you just offered them both on a platter and said, you could take either one of these players. Every single team in the NBA would take Emmanuel quickly at this point, because I mean, Paul has literally been salary dumped like five times in the last five years. I mean, I, and he's still playing really well, you know, relative to his age, I should say, you know, he's still performing better than you would think at this point in his career, but like he's clearly on the decline and Emmanuel quickly is clearly ascending and was, should have been the sixth man of the year last year. Like, so, you know, I, I, don't understand. And it, this person is also, I should note, you know, as we start getting towards the other positions, this person is it, it wrote in this article, basically that they're like v- very against the idea of quote positionless basketball and are very enamored with the concept of like pre-prescribed positions. Um, and even went so far as to include like a height chart, you know, like, well, like, you know, the average height of a, of a point guard was this in the NBA last year. And the average height of a shooting guard was this and a small forward was this. And like went through this whole song and dance of trying to illustrate like, you know, like, so positions still matter. It's like, okay, whatever. Like, but if that's how you're going to be, then acknowledge the fact that the Knicks have the best backup point guard. I, I'm going to go so far as to say the best backup point guard in the NBA period. Like, yeah, I don't, I mean, maybe just yeah. the best backup in the NBA as, we, as we've discussed. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And a guy that impacts the game on both levels that, you know, can step in and be a starter if needed. Like, I mean, Emmanuel Quigley is phenomenal. So, and he's probably about to get like, like pretty well paid in the next like two weeks, um, which I'm sure we'll have a, a show about as soon as that happens. But um, yeah, it just, it just seems like, you know, again, it, it, double standards all around, you know, where it's backups matter until they don't, you know, wanting to be there matters until it doesn't, <laughs> you know, it just, I don't. I, I can't make rhyme or reason to this list, but I'll just throw two more guys out there that kind of stood out to me as being ahead of uh, Brunson. Actually, three guys. Um, I hate to keep like having to go back to this narrative, but like Halliburton at six, Brunson at twelve doesn't make any sense to me. I feel like if you want to say one is slightly better than the other, sure, but like I think those two should pretty much go in lockstep. Like I think that they're 
very similar caliber players. So if you're going to have one at six, you probably have the other at seven, that sort of thing. Like, I think they're very much in the same class of player at this point. Uh, I think that Drew Holiday is reaching the point of arguably being overrated for past achievements at this point. Like, I think that he's clearly on the decline a bit. Uh, and yet he comes in at seven without much notable depth behind him uh, in in Milwaukee that I can think of. Um, and then Trey Young in Atlanta at nine, I just continue to be like, you claim defense matters. He doesn't play defense. Team success clearly doesn't matter in this case because his team missed the playoffs last year or made the play-in, whatever. They Very fringe, like had no chance of actually making any noise last year in the playoffs. Um, I, and, and his team has been on the decline for two straight years, even though they've spent time and energy trying to make it better. So um, I don't know. I, I take yeah. issue with trading. Can, I, can I mention the worst one real quick? Because we haven't mentioned yeah. the worst one. And that was the oh. team one spot ahead of uh, the New York Knicks, the Philadelphia 76ers, mm-hmm. who we should note in the exact same situation as the Portland Trailblazers, if not a worse one, because I could mm-hmm. see a world where, where Damian Lillard comes back right, and is, is ultimately a good soldier this year because that, that's just kind of who he's been throughout his NBA career. James Harden has rarely been that, has pretty explicitly said, I will never play for that liar again. You know, Alex, I don't remember uh, Jalen Brunson saying that about his godfather, Leon Rose, weirdly. Like, maybe maybe I missed that this offseason. And the cherry on top is that Jalen Brunson is clear-cut the better player at this point, right? During the regular season, I think that was a real argument. Who was better, James Harden or Jalen Brunson? James Harden led the NBA in assists. Like, I remember we were having this discussion around the All-Star break. I said, you know, Harden, Harden maybe deserves to make it over Jalen Brunson. And then you look at what they did in the playoffs. So let's, let's, just, let's just look at the second round, right? Season on the line, um, the Knicks playing the Miami Heat, Philly playing the Boston Celtics, like premier series. This is where your superstars step up. Uh, Jalen Brunson in six games put up 31 points, six assists, five and a half rebounds a game, uh, 50, 35, 89 shooting. James Harden, uh, two incredible games. Outstanding. 45-point game, 42-point game. That was awesome. Um, Outside of that, um, or including that, he put up a total of 22, 6.6, eight assists, shot 42% from the field, 35% from three. Um, With their respective seasons on the line, Jalen Brunson dropped 41 points in game six against the Miami Heat. All-time game. James Harden dropped nine points against the Boston Celtics. I, I will rest my case and, again, note that James Harden also does not want to be there and likely will never play for the Sixers again. So, uh, yeah, that is insane. Uh, but, Alex, um, on that happy note, uh, you want to talk about Ibotta? Yeah, of course I want to talk about Ibotta. So I, I, let me ask you guys, are you uh... – you know, are you guys picking up some burgers and hot dogs for a barbecue? Well, it is after Labor Day, but you know, it's not too late to barbecue yet. It's still disgustingly hot outside, so it's perfect to still cook some meats on an open flame. And you know, you're already doing it, so why not get cash back for it? You could do that with Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. So you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get cash back. It really is that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Or you could use cash back to buy that thing, that flight you've been eyeing, the game you're dying to go to, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you can get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. 
And you can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers, too, when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta and using the code LOCKED when you register. That's pretty easy. So just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Player App Store and use code LOCKED. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Gavin, we're back in, continuing talking through these rankings. And uh, if you thought things were disrespectful in the first segment wait till we get to the second segment um i actually think uh, so i think the shooting guard spot is actually where i took the least objection of any of them you know i can like we we love quentin grimes and what he brings to the knicks but you know it there has been some inconsistency there with the shooting and whatever so like if i was looking at this objectively i'd be like some things need to get short up um you know, and a lot of that I think is just going to come with getting more playing time and being consistent. And, you know, we saw a lot of that this year, like post all star break, he shot like, or I think even post becoming a starter, he shot like over 40% from three, which is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and post all star break, I think he ratcheted the volume up to like, like eight attempts per game or something like that and was shooting like 42%. So clearly there's potential there, but there are some. Some guys that are listed higher uh, that sort of stood out to me a bit. So Grimes came in at number 18, Grimes and the Knicks, I should say, because uh, that means that also uh, you have to consider that that like Dante DiVincenzo probably factors into this, and they're saying well, so. Quick, quickly played 74% of his minutes there too, so you got to – I, I, like, I feel weird double-dipping on him, but you kind of have yeah. to because he does play both spots for the Knicks. He does play both spots, and he does play with Brunson a lot because they can play together. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's – Feels a little low when you consider all that. Um, some notables ahead, Contavious uh, uh, Caldwell-Pope in Denver, one spot ahead at 17. Uh, Kyrie in Dallas at five, which, you know, again, morale, <laughs> always an all-time low with uh, Kyrie Irving. Josh Giddy in OKC at 11. Giddy, we were talking about a pre-show. Very confusing player in these rankings because I- – I always thought that he was more the point guard in OKC, but then every site you look at says he was like a small forward or a power forward, uh, even though he averaged six assists per game and everything else, maybe based off what positions he's defending, but still a little weird to have him at shooting guard then. if he's uh, I, He kind of functionally plays more point guard on offense, but uh, I guess plays more uh, the bigger positions on defense, but then gets ranked here as a shooting guard. So he was at 11. Uh, Tyler Hero, always polarizing to Knicks fans, and Miami uh, at 13, although they don't have much depth to speak of behind him now, with Struce gone and Gabe Vincent gone as well, so maybe a little sketchy there. Terry Rozier and Charlotte at 15, Tyrese Maxey and Philly at 12, Scotty Barnes, for whatever reason, uh, <laughs> is a shooting guard now and ranked, uh, I, I accidentally wrote 12, I think he was actually 11 was what he was ranked at. So a solid seven spots ahead of an actual shooting guard. A um, little weird again. L- little sus. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I, I agree with you that this one was a, 
probably you know what i actually i will we'll, we'll, we'll debate this i probably even took less issue with small forward but i didn't think this one was great when you take into account emmanuel quickly um i'll put up my rankings and then people people can compare the two um so here's what i had i had um devin I, he had the Suns and devin booker like fourth or fifth which i thought mm-hmm. was crazy um I would put Anthony Edwards in Minnesota, probably second. Jalen Brown, third. Donovan Mitchell, fourth. Or you could you could flip-flop those. Maybe maybe Cleveland should probably be third on there. Um, for LA, was I think they had Paul George at that mm-hmm. spot. And that, that's only based on availability. He would be probably second or third if I knew he was going to be there. They had the Grizzlies at like 11th, I want to say. Hold on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull this up. Yeah, they had the Grizzlies at 10th. Desmond Bain behind Scotty Barnes is deranged like i i do not i don't see how you can make that argument after last year bain was like just a dramatically better offensive player like i wouldn't put those two in the same universe um, oh my god toronto was at ninth too i i for whatever reason wrote down that they were lower i must have accidentally written like giddy's number twice that's ridiculous <laughs> yeah yeah i don't i don't get that at all um so anyways oh and also and and then the two biggest ones for me weren't even nick's quips they had um the Lakers and the Spurs back to back at hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to pull this up one more time and confirm this. Yeah. The Lakers were 24 and the Spurs were 26 um, with Austin Reeves and Devin Vassell. Like we just saw what Austin Reeves did in FIBA. Like sure. He's not a good defender, but like in the context of the Lakers where he has defensive insulation around him, like the dude is a bonafide offensive star in the playoffs. And Devin Vassell is like, an exceptional two-way player. Like I know, I know he's had some injury issues, but man, I'm super high on that guy. So I, I, I had the Knicks at 11th, like seven spots higher than the Athletic had them. I, I think I'm taking into account that Quinn, that Emmanuel quickly is playing about 20 minutes a game there, and I, I think given that you could, you could even argue for them a little bit higher. And I think this is maybe some personal Knicks bias. I, I just think Quinn Grimes is going to make a bit of a jump this year, Alex. Like you could definitely put the Spurs ahead of them. I think a team like the Rockets has more upside of that position. What the most objective NBA fans would probably quibble with is that I have the Bulls all the way down at 14th. I'm just not a Zach Levine fan. We always we hear the stuff about how um, he like Vucevic just doesn't really pass him the ball that much. Like I don't know. I don't think that's a great situation there. Even though Levine, as an individual talent, is really really good, so I'd I'd be fine if you had them ahead of the Knicks. Obviously, he's far more accomplished than either quickly or um, Grimes is at this point. But that, that, that's where I had the Knicks, and that, that's projecting some growth for Quinn Grimes. Yeah, I. I... I, I kind of think it, it didn't project Grimes's growth as well as like this list didn't project that as well as it probably should have. Same with, I, I'm with you, like Reeves and Vassell stood out to me as guys that were even lower that I was like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, like 24th for Reeves and 26th for Vassell. And like, you know, hate him or love him, but like the Lakers too, they, they built their depth out. Like pretty much no other team did this, this off season. Like they've got depth up and down the board now. Um, so I I don't know it, it those two stood out to me a little bit below the Knicks there but yeah I'm I'm with you I I think the Knicks have a case for top fifteen um, especially if you consider Quickly's minutes there which again this guy's rankings were so weird and ambiguous and he had like such this weird obsession with putting players in boxes that I'm like I don't know which of these two positions between point guard or shooting guard he considered Quickly for mostly but like either way he was wrong. Because quickly should quickly as the backup as the guy that you can slide between the backup one and two is one of the most dangerous weapons on any team in the NBA, um, and you know just is a like completely shut down defender 
like always influences that side of the ball well is fantastic on offense you know can run the offense or work as a complimentary piece has good three-point shooting like there's nothing not to love about what he brings to either the point guard or shooting guard spot so whichever one you wanted to put him in like assuming that this guy would just put him in one bucket or the other he, he didn't give the Knicks enough credit whether it was as a point guard or a shooting guard um yeah I, and I just want to say real quick like I, I think the real answer is and like the real way to do this list is you need to take into account that he's playing both because he is playing mm-hmm. both. Like, he's the point guard when Brunson's off the floor. A lot of times he's the shooting guard when Brunson's on the floor. So mm-hmm. like, and, and I think that's where people like I saw, I saw Schwinn was tweeting this out and he was, he was hundred percent right. And he was like, wow, pretty amazing that the Knicks were one of the final eight teams in the NBA last year, even though four of their five positions are outside the top 10 and, and three of them were below average. Right. And <laughs> like, and I think, and I'm like, all right, so what are the, what are they missing there? Like beyond just maybe ranking the starters too low, they're missing that like, hey, like the minutes that the starters aren't on the floor, like the Knicks are replacing them with generally an average to above average NBA player. And mm-hmm. I think that rarely gets the same attention of like, hey, we have a star at this spot, but then the guy who comes in absolutely sucks, right? Like, and that matters. Like, sure, the star is going to build you a big lead, but if the backup is absolutely terrible, like you're going to lose those 14 minutes a game by a whole lot of points against a team like the Knicks. And it makes up for the difference between a Jalen Brunson and a Damian Lillard. Let's say if quickly is dominating, like whoever the Blazers backup point guard is on a given, maybe that's Anthony Simons. And then it wouldn't be the case. Like maybe Philadelphia or yeah, Philadelphia is like a good example of it. Like where they don't have great depth. So you, you could, you could go team by team and do that, but that that's sort of my point. And I, I think this list just completely misses that those minutes exist in every single basketball game. Yeah. And I'll just lastly throw out just at the top. I just thought it was a huge mess. Like Donovan Mitchell being number one, Edwards at six and Booker at four, PG at three. I mean, it's just like doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. All the none of the criteria makes sense based off what allegedly is being factored in, like availability and um, you know, like general depth and all that stuff. Like also that Cleveland had no backup too. We saw it. Like who were they? They were playing. Yeah. I guess it was I guess it was it was kind of Levert, but he was that was one of the big things, one of the big things cited was like, oh, they have Karis Levert, like in the write-up. And I was like, but who's Karis Levert? Like, I'm sorry. Like, he just he's not he a manual quickly. I'll tell no, you. he's not. He's yeah. not that great. Like, I mean, he's fine. He's had a what a 50 point game in his career or whatever. Like, he went bonkers that one time. Like, cool. So is Terrence Ross. I, I, you know, I don't think anyone's calling Terrence Ross an an all star backup. Um, but let's uh, we'll, we'll take our final little break here and come back in, and we're going to talk about R.J. Barrett's place on this list on the small forward spot to wrap up the show. Uh, uh, maybe disrespect, maybe not, Gavin. Uh, you, you mentioned a minute ago that he uh, this is maybe the one you took the least exception with. I I might say the same based off the fact that we can't reasonably argue for Emmanuel quickly at small forward. So we'll discuss RJ's place on this list next. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Gavin, we're back in, and uh, this list has R.J. Barrett at number 23. Uh, how, how are we feeling about that and some of the names ahead of him? Yeah, so this was, this was, I didn't even bother to write all this out. Maybe I should have, but, um, 
I don't know. Uh, I'll I'll just I guess the the clearest way I could do this is is put up my rankings and then we can we can circle back and and see where the athletic like some of the craziest ones that they had ahead of RJ. But I, I think Celtics Jason Tatum clear cut number one. Um, this is controversial, but I had I had Jimmy Butler Miami over Kevin Durant in Phoenix. I was just I was basing that off the playoffs. I, th- I think Jimmy was the better and maybe slightly more reliable just from a health perspective at this point. I know I know he he gets nicked up sometimes, but. Kevin Durant, man, I, I just think he's he's going to miss 40 games a season at this point. Um, I have LeBron and the Lakers at four, kind of the same deal. Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers at five. Obviously, like three through five are, are the biggest names there, but given their age, given their availability, um, I have them a little lower. Uh, the Athletic had Mikhail Bridges at 11, which I think is kind of nuts given what he does as a two-way guy, as a complimentary piece, as a primary scorer. Like He's, he's just too good for that. Um, Utah 12, Lowry Markinen is who they play at small forward, I guess, the bulk of the time with how big they play. He's awesome. Brandon Ingram, New Orleans at eighth. Again, availability issues. He's an incredible talent, though. DeMar DeRozan, Chicago at nine. That, that's kind of an age thing. I'm putting him below the three guys I had ahead of him. Franz Wagner and Orlando at 10. Um, Golden State, I th- they had Andrew Wiggins at that spot. Um, you could make a case for him being a few spots higher. Again, there's some injury issues there, some availability issues there. Two years ago, he was the second best player on a, on a championship team. So that, that deserves a high ranking. Toronto and OG, Michael Porter Jr. in Denver, Kyle Kuzma in Washington, um, Chris Middleton, uh, Bojan Bogdanovich for Detroit. Uh, Minnesota plays, I think it's, it, I always forget, but I, I believe it's Jaden McDaniels there. Um, Sacramento has Harrison Barnes at that spot. And then um, I just had the Spurs, Sixers, Pacers, all one spot ahead of the Knicks. Maybe I didn't take into account that Josh Hart is going to be playing like quote unquote, um, like backup small forward, even though really Alex, most of the small forward minutes will come with the starters. Like we could, we could start off with this because I, I, my final spot was actually in the exact same place as the athletic. Like, like where do you take issue with my rankings? Um, I mean, Bruce Brown a little bit. I'm like, like, I yeah. just don't know. I, I, you know, I think that if you factor in upside, you know, like some upside, like, I just think that RJ has more upside, especially as a scorer there. Um, I, I think as far as like Philly, I'm not a huge, like Tobias Harris guy, you know, I don't know. Again, I, I feel like this is a guy that's like on the tail end of his career and can only stand to get worse. Whereas at least if like FIBA is to be believed, like RJ seems like he can only stand to get better at this point, which I think is a reasonable assumption considering he's he's 23 years old. Um, uh, and then, I don't know. I mean, just based off their rankings, some of the ones that I took objection to were like DeAndre Hunter, one spot ahead or two, two spots ahead at 21. I'm like, what has he proven? He's been more of a bust than RJ, if you want to call them busts. You know what I mean? Like on the on the bust chart, he's higher. He is um, just so the epitome. Like if you ask me what, like you looked up in the dictionary, what does the average NBA player look like? I would I would find a picture of DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Gordon Hayward and Charlotte and nineteen Stupid. is mm. insane. Listing yeah. Gordon Hayward as the person that puts them in that category is insane. But then you also have Miles Bridges coming off of. Uh, 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 a domestic violence charge and missing an entire year of NBA action. You have uh, Brandon Miller who hasn't played a second of NBA basketball yet. Uh, but if I'm not mistaken, didn't look super good in summer league, right? Am I no, fucking no, there? He yeah. Did not, he did yeah. Not so it's like things not looking super promising there. Um, so I don't know how, you know, based off of how they're going to look this year, you could be like, yes, absolutely better than RJ Barrett there. Um, 
Boyan Bogdanovich in Detroit at 17. Again, I just factor in age, like team situation, both ends of the ball. Like Boyan's not like really knocking your socks off on defense at this point. And that's only going to get worse as he gets older. Um, and then, yeah, it, Harrison Barnes in Sacramento at 14. I mean, I understand he's a very dependable player and all that stuff, but I just don't. And I, and I think he's more of a four at this point than a three. Um, so I take some exception to that. Middleton in Milwaukee at 20. Maybe this is a hot take, but I would put him lower than RJ Barrett because he can't stay on the court. Like the guy plays like 30 games a year now. You know, you can't, if availability counts, then it counts. You know, you can't just decide it doesn't. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it, it was, it was just like a little, a little dismissive of what he's done so far in his career. But I mean, his efficiency has been terrible. You know, it's been well recorded, you know, with RJ that he's in the lower percentile of guys in his position, you know, as far as like uh, basically efficiency across the board, you know, at the rim, three point shooting, um, you know, mid range, whatever you want to look at, like he's, he's pretty low in efficiency, but he's getting better at drawing free throws. He had a really good playoffs and then just has had a really good FIBA I think it's reasonable to assume that this year he should hopefully take that next step forward with his efficiency. If the Knicks can sort of bottle up some of the stuff that was working so well for him in FIBA, which, you know, we saw in the playoffs too. The main thing that's going to really work for RJ is if you can get him going downhill, let him exploit his ability to draw fouls around the rim because that's becoming like his greatest skill set at this point uh, on offense. So hopefully they lean into that more. Um, this year, but I, I did think it was interesting when I was reading like the notes on the article, there's a direct link between RJ and Keldon Johnson. Um, and Keldon's been really great too, but like they listed uh, Keldon 10 points higher at 13. And I, that's where I think things get a little hyperbole ish. You know what I mean? It's like functionally the difference between these guys last year was like two points better from the field, two points better from three for Keldon uh functionally the same as far as like like points rebounds assists you know like like the roles that they were sort of playing on the offense and so i I just i don't know that there's that big of a chasm to me between those guys and i think it's it then reaches that point where you're like how do you weigh the the potential star upside of rj versus like the value of like a role player which i think is the discussion that we're running into a lot with rj right now um you know would you would you prefer to keep trotting him out there and have him be somewhat inefficient with flashes of brilliance to, you know, hopefully harvest that star potential or it, would it be better to just have a lower usage role player out there? And I'm sure that the Knicks will be yeah, debating that quite a bit. And that's why we've heard guys like, like Ananobi and stuff like that come up a lot, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think that that's kind of where I come down to where I think this ranking is, fairly justified it's that like even like you said it rj had a great playoffs i feel like rj had a great playoffs and he was still far and away the worst nick in terms of net rating like he he still did over like i i don't think that is totally fair in the sense that tibbs especially against the heat insisted on playing a whole bunch of lineups whereas him and josh hart out there and, and rj never had a chance so that that's where it's difficult for me to separate right because if you put him in a system that was five out right let's just say like you magically replace Michael Porter Jr. with R.J. Barrett in Denver, I think R.J. would look like a completely different player, right? Playing off of Nikola Jokic, playing off of four guys who can shoot the ball to some extent or another. Like, or, or if you replace like, him with Aaron, like, Aaron Gordon with him, like, like, like having a totally open lane as he's preached with Team Canada, I think all of a sudden you get an R.J. that's pretty efficient and, like, and, and not a standout in a negative way in, in terms of a team's net rating 
when he's on the court. But I, I just think for this for this category, since it's just for this season, you have to look in the context on the team they're on. And the Knicks, unfortunately, are like if you were to build a team around RJ Barrett, the Knicks are about as ill positioned to take advantage of RJ's talents as any team in the NBA. And I, I think really the real counter argument here is again that Josh Hart is going to be playing some of those small forward minutes, is going to be closing games, and as and as much as RJ is a negative at times, Josh Hart is a positive. So that would maybe you could talk me into the Knicks being somewhere like. 16, 17, 18, but overall, j- just because of that, Alex, I didn't, I didn't really have a huge issue with this. Yeah. And it becomes difficult with the heart thing too. Like I feel like it at either the shooting guard or small forward. And I think it's more the small forward. The Knicks got sort of shortchanged here in the backup department because they're pretty obviously going to, I think, go with the nine man rotation again this year, which means that not every position has a defined like one-to-one backup. Uh, and, uh, uh, this person, uh, Law Murray, did note in which we'll talk about in the next episode. Uh, noted in their notes that they considered, <laughs> after perusing the depth charts and going over Basketball Reference to make this article, clearly uh, noted that you know uh, Josh Hart would probably be playing most of the backup power forward minutes, which means right. I would assume Josh Hart's presence was not factored too much into the small yeah. forward rankings and if it's just rj as a monolith then yeah it is a little hard to justify well yeah and here's, and here's the issue with that i mean rj is his own backup at small forward but josh hart is also sometimes the quote-unquote starter at small forward in that he will play rj will come out early josh hart will play minutes with the starters and then rj mm-hmm. will come back in with the bench and and again that's why like this list like i we can we can say our thesis statement on it it was it was pretty lazily done because it's not mm-hmm. Taking into account, and and to be fair, like when we're when I'm putting out my rankings, like I'm probably not taking into account all that stuff with every team, and that that's where there's a slight Knicks bias in this. But if you're going to write this about the league for the Athletic, you probably need to do your research on that stuff. But anyways, Alex, I'll I'll, I'll end it on that. No no beef, or or not a lot of beef with Law Murray. It's a fun list, and it's 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 a, it's a fun conversation for us. So thank thank you, Law, for that. <laughs> Yep, and that's it for today. We'll be back with another episode to get into even more outrage about where Mitchell Robinson ranked and where people ranked ahead of him. Uh, So that's going to come up on the next episode, although Julius Randle placed very high on this list with apparently Josh Hart as his backup. So uh, there's a lot more to come in a future episode as well as uh, some other great stuff. We're <laughs> still churning out off-season content. We're figuring out things to talk about. We might draft a new Team USA or something. Uh, after Team USA came in fourth in FIBA's, uh, all kinds of stuff coming up uh, in the in the next week and change as we ramp up towards the Knicks uh, getting back on the court in practice towards the end of the month and beginning of October. So, right around the corner. But till next time, thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you all soon. Peace out, everybody. Members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.